Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, episode 20. Alongside Hunter Pulaski, I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture needs, it's Reed indeed. In this week's episode, a look at local golf, including another Willie Mac victory, a belated Tournament of Champions recap, and a huge college commitment from northern Michigan. Then we talk about the big stories from the world of golf last week as Abraham Answer breaks through, as does Eric Van Ruyen, and Harry and Bryson get put on the clock, eventually missing the three-man playoff. And we look forward as it's the season's last chance at the Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield Country Club. Let's go. Hey, uh, you'll be happy to know I am heavy. Well, I guess maybe you won't be happy to know, but I'm heavy on Siwoo Kim this week. I love, <laughs> I love Siwoo Kim. He was mispriced. He's mispriced. On, uh, he's mispriced top 20, I think. It doesn't make any sense where he is, given his track record, everything. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I like, obviously, you probably knew already that I like Siwoo Kim. I'm probably actually going to be less in on Siwoo since everybody else is going to be in on Siwoo because of the history, which makes me nervous. But um, anyway, do you want to start by mentioning the news as it regards PJ Maybank? Yeah, we had a busy, busy couple weeks in Michigan golf. Uh that would have been last Thursday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, roughly of last week. Uh, PJ committed verbally committed to play at Oklahoma uh, University. So congratulations to PJ. That is a awesome compliment. He's going into his junior year this uh, this fall. So best of luck to to PJ. I know. I think right now Oklahoma is actually ranked number one in the country uh, in the college golf rankings. And I have a question for you, Pierre. Do you know who the last uh, player from Oklahoma was to win a PGA? Uh, said be a tour, tour, just any, any, any tour event. Oh boy! Somewhat I, of a somewhat of a trick question. Is it answer? It is answer. So I had this question in my head before on before Sunday. So we'll leave answer out of it. So answer. Abraham answer was it kind of worked out well where he committed on Thursday and then answer wins on Sunday for the first tour win for an Oklahoma graduate in roughly 10 years now 11 years so who would who was prior to that mm. he has I'm gonna fallen off the face of the earth I am gonna say was he a younger guy when he won he was he was a younger guy when he played Oh, I'm gonna be so distraught, but I don't. I don't think I know the names in my head or not. Uh, Anthony Kim. Oh, I was gonna say that was the uh, was the last uh, tour winner went... from Oklahoma. <laughs> when I saw that stat, what were you about to say? Because I didn't think he went to Oklahoma either. <laughs> That's I what thought he was from the West Coast and he stayed out there for college. But that was when you obviously when you said falling off the face of the earth, I was like. Well, there's one guy that fits that description. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, exactly. I couldn't bring myself to say it because I didn't want to sound stupid. No, uh, so so like I said, it worked. It's kind of just funny that, that when PJ commits that they had their first winner since Anthony Kibb with Abraham Answer. But Oklahoma's always been, um, I think it's between, there, there are so many good golf schools now, it's hard to say, like the SEC, because there's actually ongoing jokes right now that the, a lot of the last tour stars, player that's players that are playing well, in fact, did not play in the SEC. So it's kind of like an ongoing joke right now online that there are other golf schools. There is the Pac-12, there is the Big 12, there is the Big 10 on top of the SEC. So I'm uh, ecstatic for, for PJ and I look forward to continuing to follow him. I know he's, I don't know what his, his next couple weeks looks like. He and now with this little break we took, I'm a little lost as far as where we are, but I don't think, did we mention that PJ won? Yes, that happened, right? Already? That he won. We might the, as well mention it again, just for anybody who might have missed it. Yeah, so uh, that would have been, I think that was two weeks ago now. PJ won back-to-back uh, Michigan Junior PJ, uh, Michigan Junior Amateurs just about a week before he committed. So, like I said, best of luck to him. Yeah, it's always 
extremely impressive. And then moving, moving on, last week, a couple things that happened in uh, the state of Michigan. We had the GAM Championship, which is just a 54-hole uh, a event. Uh, you have to have a handicap below five, so it's really just an amateur amateur event with the best best players in Michigan. Uh, a name that we have mentioned several times this summer, James Piott. He's uh, he plays golf at Michigan State. He won with a score of two hundred three, uh, seven under par. He beat uh, Coulter Smith and Bradley Smithson. I don't know if you remember that name. He was the Bradley was the Michigan Open champion and mm-hmm. Patrick Sullivan and Zach Robbins came in T fourth. Uh, Patrick plays at Michigan still and Zach Robbins plays at Cleveland State. So that was a tournament that kind of just snuck up on me, but that was down at I'm not sure if you ever played at Franklin Hills Country Club. I have not, have you? I have not either. No, but I, I I've heard uh I've heard some good things about it. Well it produced a nice leaderboard in terms of uh you know some well known players in the state of Michigan and guys who are playing well in, in the collegiate ranks. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I can't remember who James just played in. I don't know how far James ended up making it, but he just played in the Western Am uh, week and a half, two weeks ago too, and at least made it to the round of 16. So he's having a great summer. I've been seeing his name all over the and, leaderboards. Yeah. And just quickly back to PJ. And when you said that Oklahoma was number one in the country, I didn't believe you at first, but they are, it looks like they're the reigning NCAA champions from last year. Yeah. No, they're pretty good. Yeah. And they received in the most recent rankings coaches poll, which was, you know, back in April or whatever, when the season ended, obviously it's summer and guys aren't in school right now. Um, they received 19 first place votes. Clemson received three and Oklahoma state who's known as a, Big 12 powerhouse and plays out of Karsten Creek, which is a really difficult and well-respected golf course. And obviously they just turn out PGA pros. They won the big 12 conference over Oklahoma, but they got one first place vote and ended up third. So the top five in college to end last year was Oklahoma, Florida state, Oklahoma state, Clemson, and Texas. So yes, we have a uh, high school junior in Northern Michigan who has uh, committed to play at the one could argue premier golf program in the country. What a world. It's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, uh, how did the tournament of champions end up? The tournament of champions. I believe we, maybe we didn't cover that. So tournament of champions, uh, cause that was the last re- episode we recorded while you pulled that up. Yes. Yeah, so I actually was, have- I think like the Tuesday or Wednesday that that event was going on, they had started. Correct. I know that we were following Ben and Tim and some other guys. I just don't know how it turned out. Yeah. So that, uh, you are correct. So the tournament champions ran from July 26th through July 28th. Uh, they played the Alpine at the mountain, the monument on the second day, and then went back to the Alpine for the third day. Uh, some pretty, <clears throat> I went out there on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, I believe, or either Tuesday morning, the it was Wednesday morning, or it was Tuesday morning because I, I was on the, watching the monument. Those guys, uh, absolutely phenomenal, and the golf course was in fantastic shape. I had not played the the monument in years, but I was uh, I was extremely impressed with the conditions. Just r- quickly run through the leaderboard real quick. Uh, some, yeah. some names that we haven't haven't talked about a ton. Uh, Otto Black from Naples, Florida. He shot minus 17. Uh, I think that's Jake. Jeffrey Cousart shot minus 14. Uh, Jake Keene, who we have mentioned, he's the Oakland graduate. He shot minus 10. Uh, another player from Naples, Evan Bowser, shot minus 8. And then Sam Weatherhead from Grand Rapids shot minus 8 to, to round out the top four. Uh, some some more well-known names that we have discussed on this podcast. Alex Scott, uh, a Traverse City West graduate, shot minus six for a T ninth. Uh, ben Cook, who who played in the PGA Championship in South Carolina a few months ago, shot minus five. Uh, he fell apart a little bit on on Wednesday, the final round after a a hell of a sixty five on the Monument on Tuesday, and. Final. Yeah, I bet he could really take advantage of his length on oh, the yeah. monument. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He's a big, tall, strong guy. Mm-hmm. Pound it. 
and then uh, rounding out Tim Tim Pierce, who I went and watched for a few holes on uh, Tuesday, shot plus three, kind of struggled a little bit on the Monument, but shot 71, 71, 71 on the Alpine and a 77 on the Monument. Nice. It's nice to see the uh, Jeffrey Krizzert still playing some good competitive golf. That's He's actually, we didn't, I don't know that we played together ever, but he's, I think, he and his brother were both really good. They played at Gros Seal uh, mm-hmm. in high school, and then I believe they both went on to play uh, Division One college golf. I just can't quite remember, but those were among the premier players in the state of Michigan, both Jeff and his brother back in the early 2000s when I was in high school. And uh, they were great players then. It's nice to see that they're still playing some good, good competitive golf. And then, uh, and then finally, which which happened, this would have been the last day in July. Willie Mack the third, who got a few sponsor exemptions uh, these this last couple of months on the PGA Tour. He's a Flint, mm-hmm. Flint, Michigan native. He won a um, and a former Michigan Amateur champion, right? Correct. Yeah, and uh, 2010 Michigan Amateur champion, AP APGA Tour Invitational. He which is a, a tour based out of Florida. It is a it is a tour that I would I would say it's best way to describe it. it's it's a minority minority based tour focusing on creating diversity for the game. This was the the Billy Horschel tournament, uh, the the largest prize actually, largest prize purse in the history of this tour tour. So I think uh, Willie took home just shy of $25,000 after a round of now I'm not going to be able to find it but I believe it was a round of 6969 at TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, I was going to say they played at Sawgrass, right? Yep. So it's yeah. it's awesome to see Billy Horschel get involved in tours like this. Mm-hmm. Obviously not. This is probably a fourth or fifth, sixth tour down the, the line in this country, but it's really nice to see Billy supporting it creating these, giving these guys some opportunities to, to play for some big purses. Well, the even cooler thing about that tournament was that Willie actually charged at the very end to beat another um, <clears throat> Michigan player, Troy Taylor, the second. Oh, did he? Who, yeah. Who uh, will be a senior at Michigan state this fall. Um, and he had, come up from behind Willie was four under through 11. And then Willie, if you can picture this birdied three of the last four at TPC Sawgrass. That's pretty good. Uh, which includes, you know, the Island green and the very difficult, well, risk reward par five there uh, as well. And then of course, 18 wrapping around uh the lake uh finished it off with three birdies in his fa- in his final four holes to shoot 69 and uh i hate to put you in the spot no, do you know what holes he birdied no you know they don't i can't find his scorecard um but gosh i'd love to get him on and ask him about that it's just really nice to see him taking advantage of his opportunities you mentioned he got some exemptions and one was the farmer's insurance open who was a sponsor of his. And uh, then he parlayed that into a couple more. And I think he played at the John Deere and he's played well, he's made cuts. The guy is, you know, a really solid player. He's a good ball striker. So yeah, I'm trying to excited find to see him uh, take advantage of his opportunities. Like I said, and uh, you know, to beat another, to have two Michigan guys, uh, uh a Spartan and a guy from Flint battling it out at TP Sawgrass is pretty sweet for those of us who are fans of Michigan golf. I know this was a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't get a chance to do a pod last week, so it's certainly worth mentioning. I'm trying to figure out the exact. So this was uh, this was Willie Max Willie Mac the third 66th professional title. Just to go, <laughs> just to go to show, I mean he he cleans up on these on these lower level tours. I mean he He's is, he is good enough to. To, and he's proven it. He made he made some cuts when he was on the tour. 
Yeah, I feel like he's a gamer and oh, a yeah. winner. The birdie three of your last four at Sawgrass it doesn't matter what event you're playing in. Yeah. And when do you birdie three or your last four when you're playing in a member guest or your club championship or whatever? So he's got some serious cojones and some stones. And when do you birdie your last three or four when you're just playing golf? Yeah, no, <laughs> you're that's... just playing just casual rounds. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that. Um. So is that it for the local stuff? Uh that's that's really all I have. I will I will quickly mention that uh, Tim. Tim Pierce's dad, Scott Pierce, won the fifth annual senior net championship this past weekend or week two weeks two weekends ago now. So congratulations All right. to the um, Pierce family, Miss, a Mr. Summer, Scott huh? Pierce. Yeah, he, I, I see where where Tim got his his golfing ability from. Yeah, way to go, Scott. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I want to get to winners and losers. Talk about last week. We had double the fun. Two events. I love the Barracuda. Obviously, I'm getting reports from on the course, videos from Joe Staco, which makes it so much more fun, which I'm sure many of you know, but PJ Pro out in that area um, from Northern Michigan. So I thought that, I thought play, that, that event play. was in I, – I, I guess I'm a little confused. I thought that that event was in – Southern Cal, like Southern California, Utah area. Is it Northern California? I thought yeah, Joe was in it, Southern California, Utah. It's near Tahoe. Isn't Tahoe in? Am I? Am I? Is my geography this bad? I thought Utah was kind of like this Southern. Is now we're, are we going to really get into a geography? No, thing we don't now? have to. We don't have to because I'm already pulling. You know how out. bad Americans are at geography. We're just embarrassing ourselves with. Uh, I mean, we have. Think of our international listeners. Of which there are many, Hunter. Don't embarrass yourself. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. At, I'm looking at it now. It's kind of like it's. It is <laughs> well, central new, California. Don't go googling Lake Tahoe like I am because I just saw New York Times four days ago. Yes, Lake Tahoe chipmunks have bubonic plague. Oh God! But don't worry. Cancel your trips to Tahoe. <laughs> or is there going to be a bubonic plague outbreak? on the PGA tour. I hopefully nobody got any squirrel bites. My daughter loves squirrels. I can't tell her that those are basically rats, honey. Oh, she's a big, big squirrel gal. Loves Loves squ- we're walking, going for walks. We have to stop and watch the squirrels. <laughs> are they pretty big in Chicago? Or are they, are they pretty? I mean, I've seen, I'm, I'm imagining like, like the North, like the Southern Michigan squirrels. They're on yeah. like college campuses that looked yeah. like they were like small dogs. Dude, the biggest squirrels I've ever seen are in Ann Arbor. Yeah. In the quad. They're just eating everyone's leftover Jimmy John's and, you know, whatever else. A Michigan I can't staple. even. But yeah, Lake Tahoe is in. Part of it is in California and part of it is in uh, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to that area? I have not, no. I, I mean, it looks gorgeous, looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah. What do you, so what are your thoughts on we can start we can start with the Barracuda because I actually really like Barracuda. What are your thoughts on Stableford? I think Stableford is fun. Do you, I think, do you think there should be a Stableford get... PGA Tour event? I mean, I know there there is, technically is one, but do you think that's like should there be should players play more Stableford? I mean, I think the fact that you can never make anything more in the double talk about pace of play. Well, oh, you mean like go play Stableford at your local club? Yeah, or like I don't know why why is Stableford not more. Why is it not played more, more often? That's a great question. I, I really don't know that. I, don't I, like, I like it. it. I like it from, I think it creates opportunity for gamblers. Yeah. It's a different, it required. Now Van Ruyen ends up taking that down and he's arguably the best player in the field. So really sort of like, I think the value won out in a lot of respects, like guys like Woodland had good weeks and, they were obviously stood out in terms of who's there, but Stableford scoring is kind of like DraftKings scoring. Like you're getting extra points for making birdies and eagles, and you're not being penalized as much for making bogeys, doubles, as you said, triples, whatever. So like I backed Adam Shank in a huge way. And he had like six points on the front nine on Thursday or whatever, and he'd made th- three or four bogeys. 
his Which, his Friday was just, incredible. Did you see his Friday. You're just story? looking at who makes birdies. Yeah. Who makes birdies? Who makes eagles? And Greenwood, as old Greenwood, as Joe told me, the course they played has three. They set it up with three drivable fours. Mm-hmm. So and that were reachable for almost everybody in the field. So they wanted people making eagles, and I think that's a fun way to fun way to play to play golf. I don't know if it's it does have kind of a gimmicky reputation, if you will. And I don't know how I would feel if I went to the first tee at Petoskey Bayview and somebody was like, you want to play Stableford today? <laughs> I don't think you I know, I don't know that I'd be all on board, but once a year on the PGA tour calendar, while there's a WGC going on, I'm all about it. Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. Cause I think you actually, I don't think you're, you're not playing the same game as if you're playing stroke play. I, I don't think I would. I, I think you are there. I was actually following. Um, so I follow the the case of Mondays, the the Monday qualifier, uh, Ryan on Twitter, and he was mm-hmm. actually caddying this week at the Barracuda for a Monday, a guy that Monday qualified, Mark Baldwin. Yeah, and I saw that. I was reading all of it. He did a, a nightly blog every every night, and I was reading those, and it was it was very interesting to hear him discuss him and how him and Mark talked about shots on the golf course. That if it was a stroke play event the center of the green does look really nice in this instance, but we, I mean, we, we need to make a move. We have, we're sitting at 230 yards out into a par five. We can either get five points here or potentially lose only a point. If we make a bogey, it's not the, it's not the end of the world. Let's, let's kind of put our foot on the gas. So it is nice to see, um, with the, as, as Joe mentioned, the three drivable, par fours it seems like every par five was more than reachable at least for i think mark is a pretty long hitter but it doesn't sound like they were super long by any means and they're at pretty elevation elevation sound like a 10 percent elevation change at least and Mm -hmm. or distance change and so i i think given given the course given how they set it up i don't think it could be a a more perfect setup for a stable for an event and i i mean i like the it's so fu- it's so funny. My my friends are such idiots when they see the leaderboard and they go, "What what what are they doing at plus plus twelve? I go, "I've heard that joke probably the last six straight years of the Barracuda." It's like yeah, one. Yeah. I could, well, I I could shoot that, that score. The th- thing is, like, I think it's a great event. Like, yeah. that's a really cool golf course. It's in a different uh, area of the country, sort of a smaller resort type of area it's not a major city i mean it's kind of a major area but you know what i mean and the golf courses out there are beautiful yeah and like they're fun to watch on tv and it's fun to watch guys make birdies and eagles um so i just wonder to your point does the stableford scoring actually hold the event back because it's harder to watch harder to follow etc for the average golfer or do they not really care? Cause they know it's just going to be the Peter and hunters of the world who are um, tuning into the <clears throat> I, I think that if, if you are a casual golf fan, you're probably not watching the Barracuda championship. You're probably right. Um, even though, even so though it was like a, it was very timed up very well to let you watch it. It was on a perfect time from six to nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't I don't think I'd rather see a Stableford event than just see another another stroke play alternate event like the because then there's then it becomes like the Puerto Rico Open where it's like if you win the Puerto Rico Open you never win on the PGA Tour sort of thing so at least at least mm. the Barracuda's got like the Stableford. Colin Morikawa won the Barracuda. Won the Barracuda or the Puerto Rico? Barracuda. Well, I don't Victor know. Hovland won Puerto Rico. How's he doing? That's what, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the Puerto Rico has that reputation of being yeah, like yeah. A, a stroke play alternate event that if you go win that yeah. one, you're in trouble. Yeah. But the last Tony. thing. Did Tony Fina win that? He did. He did. I believe. <laughs> I believe he did. Uh, last thing I will say is I, I think that in more cases this, this weekend, probably not as much because of who won the WGC event, but I think in – I like the Barracuda so much because this event, who wins this event, probably means a lot more to them than it does who wins the WGC. Obviously, it was Abraham Answers' first win, so tough, tough comparison. But in most cases, if a if a top five, ten player 
who has wins wins the WGC. It's it's obviously nice. It's another win, but for Eric Van Royen to win and get his two years on tour, I know he is a European guy that was looking to kind of make a, a full full fledged push to be on the tour. So now he can do it with South a, African, with a yeah. deep breath. Oh yes, thank you, South African. Yeah, but yes, yeah. international and a good, and a, quali- a quality. Uh, player, I was kind of kicking myself for not. I don't know what his number was going into the week, um, but he had he's quite good. It's yeah. sort of like one of those players when you scroll and you're like, huh, Van Ruyen, Woodland. There's a few of these guys that seem like superior players. So I imagine there were plenty of people out there with Van Ruyen tickets. Yeah. Um, didn't love on yeah. Didn't love on 18 when he when he had the lead and like, it was like mathematically impossible for him to to not make a quadruple bogey and potentially lose. I didn't love I didn't I don't love the fact that coming down the stretch you you really can't throw up on yourself. There's no more dra- yeah. There's no drama. Yeah, this one has to be close there, coming down the stretch to. Yeah, Adam Shankshire created a lot of drama, getting yeah. his ball all over the golf course <laughs> Sunday. I thought I was gonna have a hell of a week. But that's why I know I say this is a broken record, but if you really feel strongly about a guy, you know, you don't want to overexpose yourself to one player necessarily. In this case, there were two tournaments. He was my only outright at the Barracuda, but I backed it with a top six each way, a top five and a top 10, which were the top five was at plus 300 odds. So I still had a uh, great week. Thanks to him squeaking into the top five there. Um, as he really had a, a poor Sunday, but I expect, you know, that Barracuda is really fun one to gamble on because you do have players who emerge for it's, it's common for somebody to get their first win there. Uh, so, and the Stableford scoring allows for you to target birdie and Eagle makers and not worry so much about a guy's control or having some bad holes in there, which, um, you know, it's just a different kind of setup for the gambler. And I think it's a little bit harder to handicap that uh, for the casino. So Shank was 40. I thought that was great value. I'm not sure where Van Ruyen was, but congrats to him. And I look forward to seeing him and his joggers mm-hmm. out on the PGA Tour here over the next couple of years. Surprised was he not wearing those wearing. on Sunday, by the way? He was. He was wearing all, all white ones. I don't mind the joggers. Hell of a look. I don't mind the joggers. I, I could care less. Where yeah, well, have you busted them out of Potosky Baby yet? I, I have actually. I've worn joggers. Oh, you have several times. Really? Yeah, I've, I've become actually this this Did you last get any weird looks. No, no. I, I I used to be a very like a very big traditionalist. I always used to wear. I mean, I was always khaki shorts or yeah. some short. But now I've actually they're making Lulu makes their athletic shorts look so much like golf shorts. I've just started wearing those. And I feel, well, I see everybody wearing these bird dogs out on the golf course. Yeah, too. so those are the like, same thing where they're, they're like, essentially could be swim trunks. Like they're they're yeah, marketed yeah. as swim trunks slash casual trunks. Bird dogs are, and so it's just it's funny to see the rones are. Yeah, the rones are kind of like that too. I know you're a rone guy. I'm a rone guy. So yeah, so that's the same thing. I don't. And then I've actually switched. Anderson Ord is a new company that I would recommend you take a look at. They're very nice. No free ads, <laughs> but if you wanted to send me some shorts, Anderson Ord, <laughs> size thirty six. I will take them. Um, all right. So Van Ruyen, a big winner. couple losers from the weekend. Bryson and Harry over on the other side of the country combined to shoot 81 on the back nine. Par 35. 11 par- over <laughs> between the two of them in nine holes, making the turn in first and second place unbelievable did you watch that what are your thoughts on the two of them being put on the clock and the seemingly outsized impact that had on the outcome of the golf tournament um i think that the tour should start putting bryson out alone by himself i think that if you look at the pairing sheet the night before and you see that you're stuck with Bryson, I think that automatically should add, that adds three or four shots to your game. Just before you even before you even tee off, whatever you're going to shoot, add four to that because you're going to put on the clock in the first 
the first third of the round. So you're going to be you're going to be rushed the last 14, 13 or 14 holes and I've never seen Harris looked like he wanted nothing to do with that. He wanted he wanted out of that place. He was he, he did not look like he was enjoying himself at all. He wanted back to Georgia. He wanted to be he must have a week off. I have a feeling he's not playing in Wyndham. He needed. So he shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, so long, long answer. That I, I, I think it. I'm so sick of Bryson. I'm tired of it. We're, well, and then what, another takeaway is we're, we're, we're Harry's probably gonna be on the Ryder Cup team. That's enough. He should. He damn well better be on the Ryder Cup team. If he's yes, not that. on the team, that's a disgrace. Um. No idea. He, he's Bryson's running out of partners. Yeah. Harry's not gonna play with him now. After that. You already know he can't play with Brooks. So I'm just going to go ahead and say to Jordan and Patrick, because I know you guys are listening, be ready because nobody else is going to play with this guy. And I think you, the two of you are going to be stuck with him. Oh, I think and, it's Reed. It's got to be Reed because just JT, JT and JT and Jordan, DJ and uh, DJ and Kepka. The JT Jordan thing, are we sure that's good? I, I would rather, I think I would rather see that pairing than see Reed and Bryson be able to plague two teams rather than just plague one team. Like, just be able to plague just themselves. So, we could, I'd rather only be able to lose, we'd lose, lose that point rather than potentially losing. We would, we would lose both points if those two were split up, I think. Maybe they, I mean, I think they would play well. I don't think Patrick Reed is phased by much. I think he is one of those guys that I think he sees his play with Bryson and it pisses him off so much that he plays better. I think he might be right. Like he has, he might have the <clears throat> the attitude that will work best with Bryson. And I think that he's also the most singular of any player on the team. Meaning, he doesn't really have friends, and he doesn't play a lot of golf with any of these other guys. He lives in Houston, you know. Like these other guys don't live there. You know, I mean, he's kind of a loner if you will. Yeah, 100%. So put the two loners together because they'll just play, they'll be comfortable as a quote-unquote team without teamwork. Mm-hmm. And they may play 18 holes on the same team and not exchange more than 10 <laughs> words. But the two of them can maybe pull that off. So I felt, I felt bad for Harry, I guess. I didn't know that they were on the clock. I didn't have the I didn't have the volume on. We didn't watch that closely. Um, like I said, I was a little more in tune to the Barracuda and my only outright <laughs> for uh, the WGC was Sung Jay, which was done on Thursday. So um, I feel bad for Harry though. I mean, there's you had to kind of think that watching it, two doubles on par threes, a bogey on a par five, no birdies on the back. There's some kind of other factor at play here so i feel really badly for harry and then as we mentioned before we got started bryson is going to start to have this reputation now attached to him that he can't close because he had a golden opportunity here and i think there's a lot of support in the gambling community because his number drifted all the way to 35 this week and so he was making the turn and guys were holding tickets and just absolutely licking their chops and they shoot six over on the back after he did what he did at Torrey Pines in the U.S. Open, where I think he shot 43 on the back, something like that, which I just – he's a much better player than that. I wonder to what extent that's coincidence or if he is beginning to have some different thoughts come into his mind because this wasn't really a problem for him in the past that I can recall. Not to this, not to this extent. I don't think. I don't think this is. I mean, this is pretty monumental for for anybody that's a a top player in the world just, to to shoot these like over anything over anything you anything anytime you see anything over forty, you go okay. So what happened? Like there, there's more. There's got to be more to the story than just some bad shots. But I, like you mentioned, I think they were putting like they were putting the clock on hole five. I think that was that whole debacle with with Bryson hitting it miles and miles right and it rolling up against the fence that saved yeah. the ball from going out of bounds yeah. but then he got relief from the fence got relief from the cart path ended up having a easy, like a pretty straightforward shot 
and that that probably took darn near 20 minutes right there to to get that all squared away well and i do think that the game of golf all of us who have played golf competitively or been put on the clock everybody knows who the slow player in the group is oh yeah we all know and somehow in the game of golf it is the group's responsibility to speed up that player which in my opinion is not fair that's not really that doesn't make sense no uh, to penalize a group for the slow play of what is usually one player well, like you said, I love the idea of like if Bryson Bryson can just play alone in every tournament in his own group, he'll take just as long as two people playing together or even three. Hundred percent. I don't Problem think people solved. people wouldn't complain. No, there'd be no parties complaining about that on either side. Not a chance. I don't think it's a Bryson, terrific solution, Connor. I, yeah. yeah, well uh, done. I'd be remiss if we did not talk about there is a new a record that nobody ever wanted. Uh, a new leader for the highest score on the PGA Tour on a par three. Would you like to talk about that, Peter? Then, but is there's that record is going to be turned into a new record this week when said player holds up the trophy at the Wyndham Championship for the second time. No. Yeah, how did Siwoo make a 13? He hit it in the water on the tee shot. He went to the drop zone. He hit it in the water. He went to the drop zone. He hit it in the water. He went to the drop zone. He hit it in the water. He went to the drop zone. Hit it in the back bunker. Hit it to twelve feet, I think, and two putted. I think that gets you to a thirteen. There might be one more was water. Was he just ball, like one more water ball in there? Was he just playing a joke on him? Like, how did he? I don't know. If how he's, far was the shot from the drop? Seventy-five-ish, uh, maybe. Roughly, what it was. It, it was he, not. Uh, it's not. He rinsed three from there. He well, he would have had to. So he was hitting, uh, hitting three from the drop zone, five from the drop zone, seven from the drop zone, nine from the drop zone. <laughs> so yeah, he would have had four, four drop balls. He three putted then. I think he went long into the bunker and two putted. So I, he, I think he, I think there was only two putts involved. I'm not, but it was a back right pin. And finally, I, I was it a twelve? Was he make a twelve or a thirteen? He made a thirteen. That is, that is yeah, confirmed. That's confirmed. So it was, a, it was a back right pin, and the drop zone was. Uh, up a little bit to the left of the tee box, and I finally was like, "Siwoo, like the middle of the green is wide open." <laughs> yeah. He he was going right at the pin and just kept missing right. And then Harris did the same thing on Sunday, which led to his big big round on the back nine when he hit. I think he had two water balls on both par threes in the back side. Mm-hmm. Two doubles on the par threes. Yeah, That's gonna brutal. make it tough. Brutal. Um. Can you imagine how much I would bet on Siwoo Kim if he ever played in a Stableford format? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Thirteen uh, would have been like a minus two. It would have been it would have been exactly minus two. Yeah. He 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 broke he broke. If there were a Stableford tour, he would be number one 100%. by a mile. He is such a perfectionist. He, he broke like eighty he's in and that he shot a thirteen. Zone, a 13. <laughs> and he's just tin cupping. He's like, no, no, I can make it from here. Give me another ball. Give me another ball. Like, he's crazy. He is so good that sometimes sometimes he's a little too good. Which made me, so after I saw um, I saw that, I had, I had to look up the, the highest score on a par 4 and a par 5 ever. You know who, the, who has the highest score on a par 4 and par 5 ever? Both, uh, one of them still active. The other one is somewhat active. Um, well, I think Kevin Na had made a fourteen. Correct. Also last week on a par four. I don't. No, was, not last week. Not last week. Sorry, pre-existing. Yes, I think maybe like Houston. I, it was like Houston, maybe. Like, yeah, I, I can, he and Siwoo were woods. like. He and Siwoo like took a photo together and just then commemorate. Holding the record for the highest, the par five though I don't know. You said somewhat active. Yeah, he's yeah he plays plays when he has exemptions. How about daily? Yes. You know what he made? <laughs> it was it's a, a well known hole. Does it start with a two? It does not quite start with a two. Is it a nineteen? Uh, no, it's an eighteen. Um, you know, he also made a huge number on a par three at Whistling Straits when they played the senior. And he threw his, threw his club in the water. <laughs> he threw his, just, 
That's a great story to hear every time you're up yeah, there. Yeah, par five, sixth hole at Bay Hill. Oh, he, that's he a drove, hole. drove in yeah, the water probably, in the next five yeah. attempts. He tried to clear the hazard yeah. with a fairway wood. Of course wood. he did. Yeah, <laughs> tin cup. It's all t- couple comes back to. And who are these guys? Perfectionist winners. <laughs> Between the three of them, they have more than ten tour victories. Oh, yeah. Easily. Maybe more than 15. I don't know how many times Daly has won. And they, at the same time, they hold the score for the highest, hold the record for the highest score on bar threes, fours, and fives. That's like saying, like, Tiger Woods and I have uh, 14 majors. (laughs) (laughs) Putting Siwoo in that category of Kevin Nan, John Daly. That's good. Leave Siwoo. The disrespect for (laughs) Siwoo has to go away. Okay. How many tour victories do you think he has? I know we've had this conversation. I think like he has five. like uh, four, maybe. Does that sound right? You don't think that's a lot? I think in comparison to John Daly and Kevin Na, it's not that many. How many do you think Kevin Na has? Uh, I think he's got close to 10. Oh, Hunter. Hunter, come on. Come on now. I think it's possible Siwoo has more victories. Uh, he has eight professional wins, Kevin Na. Professional. That's what that's all I was. What about PGA Tour? I has five. Thank you. And Siwoo has less than five. Less than five. Less than five. five. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's three. A Players American Express and a Wyndham. American Express. We count. We call them the wraparound season. They play that tournament. Oh, did he win? He might have won Scottsdale too. Yeah, he has professional wins four. PGA Tour wins three. Oh, so maybe he didn't win the Amer- no. He won the American first Express win was the Wyndham Championship 2016. Yeah, uh, he won the 2017 Players, and he won. He 20, lost in 2020 uh, American Express. 2021, Kim won the American Express in La Quinta, California, and in 2018 he lost in a playoff in the RBC Heritage. Well, this is a great. You want to go to the Wyndham because this is a great course for Siwoo. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, okay, Sedgefield Country Club, Donald Ross, small undulating greens, got to get over 20 under. So like, you got to shoot in the mid-60s pretty much every day. It's been friendly to shorter hitters over the course of time. Um, so Webb is like the ultimate horse here. He only has one win, which is kind of astonishing because if you just look back at leaderboards, it feels like he's always in the top 10 and even better. I think he has at least two second places. Crazy, but over the course of his career, he's almost as likely to use the Olympics analogy medal here as he is to finish outside the top 10. In fact, maybe even more likely. Don't quote me on that, but we mentioned Siwoo is one here. He also has a third and a sixth. Great course for Siwoo. Just absolutely terrifying for me and, and my bank account. Um, Horschel has a win here. Siwoo's played here twice. Or, I mean, Sungjae's played here twice and played really well. Uh, Kokrak has good history here. Herman won last year over Horschel. Caught Horschel on the back. Poston won the year before. Um Reed has won here, and so has Brant Snedeker, who's had a pretty decent summer and something of a of a resurgence. This is also the last week before playoffs. So it's one of the best golf broadcasts of the year, which scary thought is still not still not good, but at least it's better because we get more context surrounding what the impact of this event is on your career your season, et cetera. And here are some of the guys who are on or near the bubble or under some kind of special circumstance this week. Zalatoris, Willie Z has to win to get into the playoffs. Rob McIntyre is here. Looks like he's going to, you know, take a shot at getting a PGA tour card. He needs something in the neighborhood of like a top six ish, probably to assure himself of a spot in the playoffs. Uh, I think, but that only but that only gets him to where the points are for 125 right now. I oh, still think I, he's going to have to catch the current. I still think he's going to have to do better. Yeah. Because listen to some of these other guys that are CT Pan who has a third place here and and uh got a medal in the Olympics. He's 120th, probably safe. Ryan Armour 
who has some really nice history here, and I'm looking at seriously for finishing position. Betts is 122nd. Michael Thompson, who I don't think has much history here, but should be a fit for this event. He does have an exemption, I think, that carries him through because he won last year, but he's 128th. Vijegas is 129. Ricky Fowler, who will be the talk of the this event in many ways leading up to Thursday is currently 130th in the FedEx cup standings. He has never missed a playoffs Fleetwood is 136 and in the field Rose 138 and in the field, I think Rose may have won here way back in the day. I'm not hundred percent sure, but it'll be really interesting to watch to see who falls back, who moves up. But I think that is something that you want to look at if you're going to, wager on this event pay attention to where guys are in the standings and therefore what kind of frame of mind they're bringing in here herman was 154 i think or 152 or something like that when he teed off here last year and went ahead to win and move all the way up into the 50s to assure himself uh at least two playoff starts so there's a chance that somebody comes up from behind and I will say this event is friendlier to veterans and shorter hitters in a general sense uh, than some of the other courses on tour, which is common for Donald Ross. But um, Wyndham's a really cool – Sedgefield's a really cool course. This is a great event, um, and I think it creates real opportunity on the gambling side because of the number of factors going into how guys are going to play this week. And uh, the fact that course history has, you know, it bears itself out pretty consistently uh, over time here on this golf course. Guys either play well here or they don't. What do you, do you know off the top of your head? What what is what happens to the guys that are? It's was it one twenty five to one fifty? What happens to those guys and then one fifty to two hundred? Do you know off the top of your head? So I don't. Oh, it's man. it's gotten changed with this, with COVID and and the mega season and all of. The I think double corn ferry and all that stuff. I just don't know. I think they left it this I for 126 through 150 for some reason in my head those guys get conditional status. I still think they get sent to the corn ferry finals. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody under 200 or maybe it's 199 also goes to the corn ferry because you have to remember corn ferry only only the top 75 on corn Ferry advanced to their own playoffs. So I believe to get those fields to about 150, 156 or so, which they're accustomed to, it's going to be 75 guys from the corn and approximately 75 from PGA, meaning 126 through 200. I don't know okay. for sure that that's correct, but yeah, even if you're like, if you're in the one seventies, you're in the one nineties, you're in the two tens, you know, and you're in this field, you have a ton to play for this week. And so you will either thrive under that pressure or you will buckle. I'm just looking at the corn ferry. Um, things. Yeah. We've got some Michigan guys too. Like Bram had a decent week at the Barracuda. He needs a huge week at Wyndham if he's in the field to avoid corn ferry playoffs. Stewart, I think, must be safe based on how. He's had such a good July and August so yeah, far. Yeah, I think he's probably okay. He's, I think he's in the top 100. And then Joey is really uh, <clears throat> skirting the line over there on the corn in terms of where he is on the in the top 75. Is he playing this week? I don't know. I don't know. He's good. injured, so I don't know if he's going to be back or not. Well, I think he's really close, but he's not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, he's probably going to be on the property if he's mm-hmm. – I don't know where he is in the standings. I know it's really close. but 71st. Uh, 71st so he'll probably be on the property at least and see how the hand feels awesome. hopefully he can play um and then yeah it's a it's a total s- second wind uh for those corn fairy guys and the and the pga tour guys you then you get you know they give you the corn fairy playoffs to go save your season if you will because they're giving 24 25 more guys cards full full uh status at the end of those events which is you know basically i think labor day or the week before and how how do those how do those are those playoffs is the regular season standings um 
crucial as far as those play or those playoffs, just the playoffs. Is you what... go back to zero for playoff points. Okay. So like Keith Mitchell is an interesting case study in this regard. He only spent one year on Corn Ferry before graduating, and before that, he had played in the Latin American Tour uh, to graduate to Corn which I think at that time was still web.com. He finished 26th in the season long, which is obviously a brutal spot to find yourself in, but then went out the next week in Utah, or I can't quite remember, and got a second place, and that assured him of a of a top 25 playoff finish and a uh, PGA Tour card for the next season. So that had – the unfortunate thing is he's at the same point total at 26 as the guy at 75 when they tee it up in that first playoff event. But it's a clean slate, and it's just like, hey, one medal, one top three, one podium finish here, and I'm or a win, I know I'm in, or a couple top tens, something like that. You know, there's a, a number of ways to assure yourself of getting back onto the tour. So, yeah, it's a huge, huge week on the bubble for guys across both tours, which makes it really exciting in my opinion. 100%. Again, fun to uh, fun to bet. Well, I will uh, uh, just as we. I know we're kind of wrapping up on. Can I at the hour mark right now? I will give you a couple picks. I don't know. I mentioned it before the show. This is this is Peter's guy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna steal him for the week. I love Siwoo Kim to uh, top twenty. I have him to top twenty, and now I, of course I just forget what my numbers are. I have him. I'm sure it's great value because he gets no respect. No, he did. He's got to win a third and a sixth here. He played in the Olympics. He played in the WGC. I know he made a 13, but yep, he I, should be at the top of the odds board. You would you would certainly think so, but he is, right now, he's probably like 10th or 11th guy uh, on the top 20 list. He's plus 175 to top 20, which doesn't seem doesn't seem right. So I I took that. And then I also took a guy that I don't know if, if he – I'm not sure where, where Sung Jay's head is right now, but I, I do like him as well. He has a T6 and T9 finish here in his – in I think maybe only three appearances. So I think it might even be only two. might only be two. I, I think it actually – I think you are right. He has a scoring average of 66 on this course. Yeah. So you just – I wonder if he – Whenever I think of Sungjae, I think of just very steady, steady Eddie. So I'm a little concerned if he can post four, four low enough numbers. But I do like him to to top twenty at that one fifty number. And then outside of that, I was I was struggling to. It's a lot, a lot of a lot of the top guys have taken the the week off to to get ready for the playoffs. It seems like, but I still think I really like um, I like Kokrak a lot. I know. He is. We haven't talked about him much the last week or two, but beginning of the summer and middle of the summer, he was. There wasn't many better pl- players playing better than he was, and he does have a little bit of history here. Uh, <clears throat> T six among three top twenties at Sedgefield in his last four years. Yeah, yeah, he's a good. He's a good, really good fit here, if almost anywhere, and he's just been ball striking the crap out of it. I worry a little bit about the putter, but yeah. I'm going to look at him for finishing positions too. One guy that I think I'm going to be looking at for finishing positions, two guys I'll give you that I don't think others are going to look at. Ryan Armour is one. Like I said, he's on the bubble, a veteran, has good success, some good success here over the years. Just think his game fits really, really well for this course. Think he needs a good week. Think he's a good bet to top 40, 30, maybe 20, um, depending on how those odds shake out. The other guy that I like here that's just kind of off the board is Tom Hoagie. Um, Again, for finishing position, popped a few times throughout the summer, has some decent rounds here. Again, I think shorter veteran players can get their ball around here, and guys who are really good on the greens can really take advantage of that uh, skill this week. So I think he's in – Hoagie's an interesting place, 225 to one to, to win this thing, which to me is just a little bit of a, a little bit of a misprice and create some value on the finishing position side. I do like the top of the board. I mean, I think Hideki is playing great. Um, Webb at 10 to one here is actually 
kind of reasonable given his his history and his skill. And then Louie being the third guy on the board, given how well he's played and he's the number one putter after I just talked about putting and needing to shoot better than 20 under. He's the best putter on tour this year. He seems like a, a misprice near the top. If you wanted to pick from those top five guys on the board, I probably won't do that for outrights. I will think long and hard about Russell Henley on the outright side, but I worry that he might not be able to make enough pots. I've seen him kind of in the mid thirties. I think that's really interesting given it's irons and putting here. And if the putting can pop for him, that's all it takes. Cause we know the irons are going to be there. He's one of the best approach players in the game. He's going to be in the fairway. He's going to have a lot of opportunities. And I felt that he was slightly uh, mispriced there. And then I think, I don't know what to do with Bobby Mack here, but he's 50 to one and he should be like 20 because he's a premium player. I know he's a young guy and he's somewhat unfamiliar, but that's opportunity there. The, the casino is basically telling us people don't know who this guy is. So we have to drop him down to get wagers. He knows he has to be, have like a great week. Like we talked about top six, top five, top mm-hmm. seven, something in that area. So you're right in that each way territory at a 50 to one. So you're paying out a 10 to one. If he goes ahead and seals up his card and breaks through I think that's interesting and uh, worth a look. And then I think I like Brand Snedeker and Kevin Kisner for finishing position. Again, vets, shorter hitters. Uh, I think Kevin is starting to regain his form when he's on. He's a phenomenal putter. You would never worry about him getting close to 20 or 21 under or 22 under because he can just make them from everywhere. Um, but then the other guy that I think is interesting is Sebastian Munoz seems to like these shorter courses, a guy who can get super, super hot with the putter and make tons of birdies. We saw him play really well at the Olympics. And I just think he's a little higher quality of player than 55 to one. Uh, so I think that's interesting. And that's something that I'll, I'll look at, but those are kind of the guys that I have my, have my eye on this week. I have not, Last week, I knew I wanted to be on Shank. Um, I don't have the same vibe about any of the players this week, but those are the group of names that I'm looking at in terms of how they shake out for wagers. I'm not totally sure yet, but probably will be more of a finishing position type of week. And maybe I'll settle on either Munoz or McIntyre or somebody in that kind of range for for an outright well i'm excited sorry <clears throat> this is you, you mentioned it already but this is a this is a fun week with all the the implications that usually with golf i mean it's golf is tough because there's there's not always just a winner and a loser there's one winner and tons of losers typically but in this case there actually there can be some some winners in that that actually don't win the tournament but that qualify for the playoffs what have you so it's it is fun to see kind of the wrinkles that, that go along with the story I think this is the best. This event has been the event that has benefited the most from the playoff format. Oh, yeah. And I think we benefit in turn from seeing a slightly different presentation uh, of the tournament because guys who are on the bubble, those are, that's just as impactful for their lives as guys who are in the top five contending to win. Um, so hopefully we're going to see more golf shots as a result of that. We're going to get more context surrounding where these guys are in the standings and what they'll be doing the next few weeks based on where they finish this week. So there is no, for golf diehards, I mean, we're just, it feels like we just went through the heart of the season and now we're about to get Wyndham on a classic Donald Ross. Then we get the playoffs. Then we get the Ryder Cup. So like we're going through another awesome stretch of golf and then when we get back all of a sudden um we're starting a new season and we're out in california again and uh mexico and some other places getting ready to uh i can't wait wait to bet adam shank again at the safe way let me just say that he's gonna win safely 
Maybe get some early odds on him. Or maybe Jackson, Mississippi. He seems like a Sanderson Farms kind of guy. Guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll hold, All right. Hold well, good luck on the gambling side this week, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Yep. See you guys.